If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to the second uh, epistle of the Apostle Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2. Um, we are making our way through the two epistles written around A.D. 66 by the beloved Apostle Peter. Uh, we have been in this study for many weeks, a few months, and next week we will wrap up, um, we'll go into chapter 3 and then we will stop and then we'll do a series of messages on the Explore God campaign. Very excited about preaching these seven uh, messages on apologetics, on defense of our faith, and answering questions that many of our unchurched friends in Austin are asking. And so for seven weeks, we hope that God just brings a lot of seekers, a lot of people uh, who are open and, and looking and questioning. And so when we finish that series, we will pick back up in the fall and we will finish Second uh, Peter and then come January, we are going to go verse by verse through the great apocalypse, through the book of Revelation. Now, if you're, if, hey man, that's going, to be a, that's going to be fun. It's going to be a challenge. Again, if, if you're a guest, we are, we're glad that you're here. And our church is a little bit different, maybe different from the kind of church that you have normally attended. Uh, what we do during this time, during the next 15 minutes as I preach my sermon, um, or, or a few minutes maybe more, what we do at Great Hills is we really believe in the Bible. We believe that it is God's great gift to us. Those 66 books of canonical scripture are his love letter to us from Genesis to Revelation. And what we do at Great Hills is we take it very seriously and we go verse by verse. It's called didactic preaching. It's a, it's a kind of preaching where you actually teach and you teach the scriptures. You, you look at the original context and you dive deep into the Word of God. And um, we, we just, this is how we do it here. We just believe this honors God the best. And so we want to study His Word. And we want to preach on the passages that we enjoy. <laughs> and we want to preach on the passages that are tough. Because in those tough moments, as we, as we study God's Word, God really tenderizes our heart. And he, he makes us open to truth. And maybe you've never read this text that I'm about to read and preach on. But we believe that it is in the sacred book for a reason. And if God put it on Peter's heart to write it then, then God has a message that he wants us to ascertain and glean uh, today. And so our title of our message, I know it's a little different, but it's called Pseudo, uh, Pseudo Salvation. And Pseudo obviously means false. But whenever you have the false, you always have uh, the true. Whenever you have the fake, you always have the genuine. And what you have today is a clear dichotomy of the two. On the one hand, you have the Apostle Peter, and you could not get more pristine, more pure, more true than the Apostle Peter. He loves Christ. He is sold out to Jesus Christ, and eventually he will die a martyr's death at the hands of Nero about the time that he finishes this letter. And so the Apostle Peter, as he nears the end of his life and he looks toward heaven, he leaves his church with these messages about true, authentic, genuine Christianity. And he juxtaposes that with what is false, what is untrue, and what is pseudo. And so as I read this text today, verses 18 through 22, you will see that this is another diatribe. This is another denouncing of that which is false. But keep in mind, for every verb and for every noun that he speaks about what is false, he also will embody that which is true. For example, let's begin in verse 18. For when they, now remember they, who they are. They are the false teachers, the false prophets during Peter's lifetime. Now listen to this. What's so interesting about these rascals is this. They were not just out there somewhere. 
they had actually infiltrated the very fabric and the DNA of that local body of Christ, that local church. They had come in as sheep, but actually they were sheep with, with the wolf's heart, okay? So they have slipped into the local church. They had pretended, they thought that they had embraced Christ genuinely by salvation, but come to find out they had a very pseudo, a very fake, a very diametrical experience with Christ. And so Peter now is going to expose them. He says, they speak great swelling words of emptiness. They allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness. Now, if you want to know what lewd means, lewdness means sexual deviant behavior. It is a sexuality that is outside the parameters and the boundaries of the Word of God, which says sex is to be between a heterosexual couple, a male and a female, who are married. And those guys jettisoned that. They said that is old fogey grandma's religion. We don't believe that anymore because we believe we have been set free. And we've got a new religion to preach to you, and it goes like this. You just live like you want to live. Just ask Jesus in your heart and live like you want to live. Y'all ever heard that before? That message is being promulgated all across America today. Just, just ask Jesus in your heart. And then go, do, go to parties, go live like you want to live. Everything's A-OK because God will forgive you and God will never hold you accountable. God will never judge. And so, woohoo! let's party on. Just party, party on, all right? It's all good. Now, Peter says they're a bunch of heretics. You ought not to listen to them. He says they are deceiving you through sexual deviancy, through lewdness. And they are deceiving the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. Those who are believers. They have genuinely accepted Christ and now these false prophets are deceiving them. While they promise liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. In other words, all of us are slaves to someone. We are slaves to God or we are slaves to the devil. We are slaves to our own passions and lust. All of us as human beings, we will serve. Some of you are looking at me like, I don't believe that. I don't serve nobody. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. Man, I'm from Texas. I don't serve nobody. I I've got news for you, friend. You're wrong. We all serve somebody. And you're either going to be a slave to God and serve God, a slave to yourself, or a slave to the enemy. For if... After they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge, the knowledge, okay, of the Lord, of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they, still talk about the false teachers, now they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them, you got to remember the them, the driving passion and pathos of Peter in this text is the expose. He is exposing these false teachers, okay? It would have been better for them if they'd never known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to its own vomit and a sow. Y'all know what a sow is? Help me. That would be a pig, all right? And just like a pig, once you've washed that pig, it will go right back to wallowing in the mire. So, 
We clearly know what Peter's talking about in this text. As I said earlier, this is a very difficult text and because there's not a lot of happy, happy, happy here, all right? There's not a lot of just, just accept Jesus and just live like you want to here. It's not, it, this is more of a Christianity 401, all right? This is more of an upper-level kind of teaching for the body of Christ. And that's why I love this. Because here at Great Hills, man, as best I can tell, the people that still come here, they're like, man, give it to me. Give me the Word of God. I have heard enough of patty cake, patty cake, man, and, and enough ice cream. Give me the Word of God. So we're just, we'll just give it to you, all right? Now, having said all of that, let, let, me, let me just say this. I, like you... Man, I love the Lord, and I want to be among those who are true blue, who are genuine and authentic in their relationship with Christ. Now, that does not mean that we're perfect, and we're still in process, and we still sin, and, and we ask for forgiveness. But here's the big difference. Here's how I know, one of the reasons I know I'm a Christian. When I sin, I'm very uncomfortable with it, and I know I've done wrong, and I go to God and I say, God, I'm sorry. The people I'm concerned about and the people that Peter was concerned about in this text were, not only did they not feel bad about it, but they enticed others to participate with them, maybe in order to make them even feel better about themselves, and Peter calls them out. Now, what, what I want to do today is, is I want to walk through this text with you, and I want to give just briefly a word of explanation. That's point number one in your outline there, explanation. And then number two, we're going to look at words of application. And we're going to be heavy on the former and a little bit lighter on the latter. In other words, we're going to spend more of our time on the explaining of God's Word, and then we're going to look uh, briefly at, at applying it to our lives. Remember this word, whenever there is the false, there's always the true. Uh, just yesterday afternoon, uh, we went out door to door, had a great time. I mean, a wonderful time. Many of our young couples... And families, I love this, this organic movement among the people of Great Hills. We went out yesterday. I just joined them. I just said, hey, can I go with y'all? And they're like, sure, pastor, you can go anytime you want to. So we just went out around the neighborhoods here in the Great Hills, uh, 78759 right here, just knocking on people's doors saying, hey, how are y'all doing? Here's some free breakfast. Gave them free breakfast, tacos. Mm -hmm. Even though we woke them up about 930 Sleepy eyes, disheveled hair. And they're like, what do y'all want? We said, we got free tacos. Let me tell you something. People like free. Man, they like free. They're like, free tacos for me? What's the catch? There's no catch. Where are y'all from? Well, that's not as important as we're just here to love on y'all. Oh, man, come on, really. Where, where are y'all from? Well, we go over here to Great Hills Baptist Church. They say, really? I've been thinking about going over there uh, uh, to that church. I mean, man, we just had fun just going out and sharing the love of Jesus in a practical way. Listen, that's real Christianity to me. That's the, that's the genuine. Whenever you have the false, you always have the true. Well, anyhow, yesterday, after we went out, I came back home. As I was studying my message for last night, I finished reading this book called The Insanity of God. Oh, let me tell you something. Strap on your boots, friend. These strap-on boots, pull up your boots, whatever you do, and read this book. If you have one book to read besides the Bible in 2013, make that your book, all right? It is an incredible book by Nick Ripkin. That's his pseudonym. It's really not his name. And it is a book about genuine, bona fide, authentic, real-deal faith. And if you read that book and you are not moved, and you're not moved to tears Man, I'd like to personally talk to you. Literally, Sunday night, last Sunday night, 
We, um, I, was, I was in the bed about 11 o'clock, and I'm reading this book, and I started crying. Now, the only other time I read a book and cried is when Abigail Adams died, John Adams' wife. And that just messed me up. I just liked Abigail Adams. Well, anyhow, I'm reading this book, and I start crying. And Ashley walks into the room, and I said, let me read you this. And I read it, and I started crying again. Nick and Ruth were missionaries in Somalia. They served for six years. Remember uh, Black Hawk Down, Mogadishu? They were there. They were, they were in all of that. And they were part of a relief agency that went in and fed and clothed the people of Somalia. Well, the persecution of Christians got so bad that 70 of the relief workers left Somalia and went back to the Western world. Only four remained, and one of those four was this guy, was Nick Ripkin. He's the real deal. They gave six years of their life, and they said, God, we don't think we're making much of a difference. In fact, God, there are less Christians today, six years after we got here. Lord, I don't really know that we're making any difference at all. It, it seems like, God, you're losing. Have you ever been real honest with God like that? Have you ever just said, God, I, I don't get it. It's insane. That's the name of the book. Okay? It's just insane. These people are killing your people, and they seem to be just flourishing, and they have this hateful faith that, that kills people, and yet we're here to love people, and we're diminishing, and they are growing. This don't make sense to me. And about that time, 1.30 in the morning, their 16-year-old son, Timothy, had asthma, had such a horrible asthma attack. By the time they got him to the hospital, if you want to call it that, he died. 16 years, and that's when I cried. That's when I literally cried. And I began to ask, God, this don't make sense. I mean, here, here's a family, Lord. They love you, and, they, and, and their son died? What, what is going on? Well, here's what Nick and Ruth did. They left. They quit. They said, we're going home. They left Somalia. They went to Kentucky, and they just let the church of God love on them and bring them back to, to faith. But here's the good part. When you really know the Lord, you always come back. When you know Jesus, no matter how hard life gets, you will eventually come back to him. And by the way, after they got healed up, he went all over the world and researched believers in persecution. And he's written a book about it, and it is awesome. So keep this in mind. Whenever you have the false that we have right here, you will always have that which is true and genuine. So let's begin by looking at words of explanation. I want to share with you beginning... In verse 18, and again, this part of the sermon, it's going to take a little while, and I want you to just kind of listen carefully as we look at Peter's words. He says in verse 18, he, he continues this theme of exposing those who are false teachers. He said, Here, here's a good characteristic of them. They make these grand announcements. They say, man, we've got this great new revelation from God, and, and we are going to give it to you. And Peter says, really, their grand announcement has no substance. They are full of hot air. And don't believe anything that they tell you, because here's why. They say they believe in Jesus, and they say they're going to walk with God and do what is right, but their lives betray their lofty words. In other words, they say, man, we love Jesus just like you do. Peter says, don't believe that. Because they really don't. And the reason I know that they don't is because they don't live like Jesus. If I forget to say this in this sermon, please make note of this. I don't care if it's this dude up here preaching. 
I don't care who it is preaching. If he or if she teaches something that is contrary to the life of Jesus and opposed to the Word of God, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them because they will only hurt your faith. They're not there to help your faith. One writer puts it like this as he comments on verse 18. He says, now these teachers come along with inflated promises that their old way of life was not so bad in God's eyes. There will be no final judgment. And by these words, they entice the less stable believers. End of quote. Peter describes the victims as those who have escaped. In verse 18, what he's talking about, there are new Christians, new impressionable Christians. And he says they have escaped those who live in the, in the era of the world. Do you see that in verse 18? He's referring to those, those new believers whom God has reached in and saved them out of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, as John would say in 1 John 2.16. And so they now are on, they've singled them out. You, you ever watch those shows on the, you know, on the animal channels and stuff, and, and you've got these lions and tigers and bears, oh my. You've got these lions and these tigers and these, these carnivores. I mean, they, and they look at those water buffalo or they look at those antelope, and what they do is they wait for that weak one. They wait, they wait for that maybe that smaller one who is away from the pack, away from the herd, and they pounce on them and destroy them. That's exactly what these guys were doing. They were singling out maybe the weak or those who are new baby Christians, and they were coming in, and they were given their brand of religion that goes like this. Just ask Jesus in your heart. No worries about right and wrong. If your life is like the lost pagan culture around you, not a problem as long as you believe and ask Jesus in your heart, okay? This, by the way, is pandemic in our culture. We have so many in America who have asked Jesus in their heart and they're going straight to hell. You say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you know it never says in the Bible, not one place, ask Jesus in your heart? It doesn't. What it does say is, give Jesus your life and surrender to him. All of you, all that you are, you give unto him and you die to yourself and you live unto Christ. And when you do, you'll be able to recognize these charlatans, these phonies, these fake, these frauds who come along and they're preaching this message of license. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just do what you jolly well please. In verse 19, he goes, he goes on, their hot air is heavy on good feeling and light on truth. Another writer puts it like this. Here's the irony of the religious rhetoric that they are giving. The entire time these people are raising the flag of personal freedom, they don't know, but they are slaves to their sexual habits and addictions, end of quote. In Galatians 5.13, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Absolutely. We are free in Christ. Our sins are forgiven. He says, but don't use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another. Have you ever heard this statement? I've written it down here. I want to make sure I get it right. There is a freedom that leads to bondage, and there is a bondage that leads to freedom. Have you ever heard that before? There is a, support, a so-called freedom that, man, you just are free, just do whatever you want, and you're actually in bondage to your addictions, to your sin. But yet there is a bondage. Mm -mm. 
There is a bondage. There is a captivity in Christ where we are his slaves and we are his servants and we follow him and we love him and we obey him. And as we are slaves to Christ, we find in actuality we are absolutely, unequivocally free. We're free. We're free. We have life. We have joy. We have peace. We have all the fruit of the Spirit. And those who think they're free and yet they're in captivity to sin are not free after all, but those who are in bondage to Christ are absolutely free. In verse 20, he refers to these false teachers as they have tasted or they had knowledge of Christ, but they were never truly saved. They had a pseudo-conversion. And they would say, we have a higher knowledge now, a new freedom with no constraints. Have you ever met anybody like that? I have. Have you ever tried to witness to somebody like that? I have. It's horrible. They say, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. I don't believe in that anymore. I ask Jesus in my heart, and we're okay with that. I never go to church, you know, and I, I sleep around with everybody that I want to. Man, life is good. It's free. And, you know, and, I, and I don't feel like I need to go to church and witness to people and tithe and all this stuff. See, I've evolved beyond that. In fact, I don't really know if I even believe in that anymore. That's what a guy told me the other day. He said, I asked Jesus in my heart years ago, but you know what? I don't even think I believe that stuff anymore. And he said, I'm not going to talk to you anymore because what I'm about to say will just make you mad. That's why Peter said, the latter end is far worse than the former. Because early on, at least they would listen to you and they would talk to you about Christ. But now, they've, they, they, they've evolved and they've got, this, they've, got this, uh, they've got this license now to live this way. Peter uses words in verse 20 like entangled, and they have been overcome. And, and these false teachers, they, they have been enslaved to their old way of living. It reminded me of 1 John 3, 10. As, as, I, as I read this difficult passage, and some of you are going, Brother Dan, this is just tough. I mean, I'm telling you, this is just, this is just eating me alive. I tell you, you got some good news to share with us here a little later? No, this is all good, guys. It's all good if God is teaching you and God's speaking to you through his word. John said this, in this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Hello? Time out? Are y'all breathing? Are y'all okay out there? I didn't make this stuff up, all right? I'm just a messenger from the Lord to preach his Bible. He said, if you don't practice righteousness, you're not of God. And if you don't love your brother, then I don't care how many churches you've joined. I don't care how many times you got baptized. I don't care how many Beth Moore Bible studies you've been to. If you're not walking with God in righteousness, and if you don't love your brother, then you are not on your way to heaven. That's a hard word. But that is what God is teaching us, and God is exposing these who say one thing, and yet they live this very contrary life. Then verse 21 is a very sobering word. He said, it had been better had these people never known the gospel than to have known it and been so corrupted by it that now they are totally closed off to the Scriptures. It would have been better for them to have not known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the, listen to this word, from the holy commandment. Guys, as much as you try, and as much as I may try, to disassociate genuine Christianity from holiness and righteousness and purity and all those good things, 
as hard as we try to manipulate and justify, I'm telling you, some of us have PhDs in rationalization. And it goes something like this. I, I know what the Bible says, and that hurts me to walk like that, but I'm telling you, here's what they say. I know what the Bible says, but <laughs> I've got a new revelation for you, okay? Wait a minute, I feel it coming. Oh, yeah, I feel it. I feel it. There it is. I know what the Bible says. But Peter and Paul didn't live in the day that I live in. Man, we've got 6th Street in Austin. Come on now, preacher. <laughs> Come on. I mean, really? I'll go to church, and I'll sing you songs, and I may give a dime or two, but I'm going to tell you, Monday night or Friday night don't matter. I'm going down there, and I'm going to do what I very jolly well please because I'm, telling, I'm trying to tell you, preacher, not listen to me. Peter and Paul and John and those old boys, they didn't have the kind of temptation I got today. All right, you see. So I've got a, I got a, better, I got a better way. And Peter and John and Paul and the boys would say, there is no better way. There is a way of righteousness. There is a way of purity and a way of holiness that God puts you on that path and God sustains you. And, and mm, when you get really saved, when you get genuinely born again by the Spirit of God, God changes your desires. He changes your passions. The reason many of us have not changed is because the Spirit of God does not live within us. When the Spirit of God lives in you, friend, when He really lives in you, I mean, He changes you. He, I mean, you don't want to go to 6th Street. You don't want to sleep around with your neighbor's wife. You don't want to walk around in an inebriated, drunken stupor. You know why you don't want to do that? It's because you found something better. You found Jesus the Christ, and He has set you free from that. Woo, son, hurt leg and all. I'm so glad. I mean, let me tell you something. If I didn't know the Lord and I didn't have Jesus in my life, I would be pitiful. I would be a wreck. And my family would be the first one to tell you, he's just not kidding. I mean, he, he would be pitiful. He would be a wreck. But I found Christ, and, 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 and I just love him. And I know many of you love him, and you're walking with him. And, and listen to this last, uh, this last word in verse 22. He's going he's gonna to sum these guys up. It has happened to them, according to a true proverb, and he's going to quote Proverbs. Amen. I'm with you. Proverbs. <laughs> Another thing about guests, they're here today. If you're a first-time guest, I have, if I, I'm glad I'm not diagnosed. I would have multiple issues like ADD, ADHD, ESPN, PhD, whatever it is. I, I just, I just get really, just, woo, baby's crying, woo. I just get distracted real easy. So let me, let me come back here. Let me find. Proverbs 26, 11 says this. As a dog returns to its own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Did you know never one time, some of y'all are looking at me like, I'm not so sure, preacher. I'm not so sure these false teachers weren't really saved and they just backslid. We got to, listen, friends, that's a bunch of baloney. So well, I, I used to, I, I used to accept Jesus, love Jesus, but I backslid, you know, I backslid. I think there's a lot less backsliddenness than what we what we realize. I think there's a lot more lostness than backslidedness. Okay, listen, John said you cannot keep on doing that, living that way, and call yourself a, a, a Christian. Not one time in the entire Bible is a genuine, authentic believer, follower of Christ called a pig or a dog. Y'all think my preaching's tough? He just called them pigs and dogs. 
He said they're just like a dog that throws up and licks it up, eats the vomit. They're just like a pig. You clean that pig, you curl its little tail, and you put a little bow on it, and that pig just looks at you like that. And you open the door, and that pig goes, see ya, and goes right back into the mud and just wallows around in the mud. Man, I like this mud living. Here's why. They still got a dog nature, and they still have a pig nature. And when we meet Christ, we get a new deal. We get a new nature. We are born again by the Spirit of God. And listen to this. We get tempted? Yes. Do we sometimes sin? Yes. You say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought you were talking about I'm really a Christian. I don't sin. No. No. But here's the difference. You don't keep on sinning. You don't keep on saying, oh, no, I just... I've just been drinking a lot, Lord. I'm sorry. Let me get another drink. I just got too, oh, Lord, I just too much. And let me get another. No, you don't do that. Because God changes you of that. And you say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me, please. And God says, I forgive you. Come on, this is grace. This is real grace here. But never in the Bible does God come. Listen, pigs, pigs ain't good. Jews don't eat pigs. I don't like pigs. And now listen, when they talk about dogs in the Bible, y'all need to know something. This is not Old Yeller and Lassie and German Shepherds and, and Great Danes. And these, these dogs are just these wonderful dogs. And I like dogs. Don't get me wrong. Most of them, I like them. What he's talking about are these mangy street dogs. I mean, they're just little bony rib things. They just walk around like, you know, they just, they just are gnarly, nasty dogs. And, and Peter says the false prophets are like those gnarly, nasty dogs and pigs. And here's why I'm so upset with them is because they're leading people astray. They're not content to go to hell, but they want to lead other people with them. Here it is, the last verse I want to share with you. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Ooh, here it is. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in Christ he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold. All things have become new. What is the opposite of false and pseudo? Is true. What is the opposite of fake? Genuine. What is the antithesis of deception? It is walking in the light. I hope to close this message with, with, in a moment with a few words of application, but I thought the best thing I could do at this moment after, after walking you through these very difficult texts, to tell you a true story about somebody who represented everything that was the opposite of those people. His name was Dimitri. Dimitri was married, had two sons, and he lived in communist Russia years ago. Dimitri was not a pastor. Okay, he, he loved the Lord, he loved his family, and they would go to church until the communists basically shut the churches down. The closest church to him now was three days' walk. So he said, honey, we, we, we still got to worship Jesus. I don't care that they closed the doors on the church. We still going to worship the Lord. So he would get his wife, and he would get his two sons, and they would sing praise to the Lord, and, and he, would, he became the pastor in his home. Are y'all with me? And, and the neighbors were like, what y'all doing in there? He says, we're just having church. They say, you think we could join you? Next thing you know, and the four went to 25. There's 25 people in his, in his room. 
And he goes, I'm, I'm, not, I'm no pastor, y'all. I'm just, I just love God. I just love his word. And they're like, man, you sound like a pastor to me. And when 75 people came, and the authorities came and said, well, you can't do that. You can't have church. He said, I'm not having church. I'm not a pastor. We're just, we just love God. And they said, listen to me. You need to quit doing that. Well, he didn't. They fired him from his factory job, fired his wife from her teaching job, and their two sons were expelled from school for doing the same thing we're doing right now. And by the way, this wasn't that many years ago. Now the church gone from 75, and when it did, they barged in, and they took their fists, and they beat that pastor up right in front of his congregation. Well, the next Sunday, they went from 75 to 150. <laughs> you know, it's the interesting thing about persecution. Tertullian said the, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And the reason we are not going to experience, and I don't think we're going to experience persecution in America, is because Satan doesn't want to wake us up. Why, why wake us up? Persecution would be the greatest thing, one of the greatest things to happen to us. Great Hills would have to go to about five or six services. I promise you that. Because people begin to see, man, that's why the church in China, it just exploded. The persecution, just the blood of the martyrs, it was the seed of the church. It just began to grow. They came in there and they said, dude, you're going to prison. They got him. They put him in prison with 1,500 hardened criminals. Not one of them was a Christian. And they put him in prison for 17 years. 17 years. His boys were young. He came out of prison. His boys were in their 20s. He said, I only survived because I did two things every morning, every morning. I would get up in my prison cell. I would raise my arms toward the east and toward the heavens. And I would sing praise to Jesus Christ. And 1,500 prisoners would holler and they would yell and they would curse him. Can you imagine being the only Christian among 1,500 hardened criminals? He said, the only other way I survived is I would take any scrap of paper. If I found a piece of paper, I had this little old nub of a pen, of a pencil, and I would, I would take that pencil, and I'd find that scrap of paper, and every scripture that I ever memorized, I would write it down, I would write biblical stories, and I would go to this place in the prison, and there would be this old pillar there, and I'd take that sheet of paper, and I'd put it on top of that pillar and say, Jesus, that is my sacrifice of praise to you today. Every time he did that, the, the authorities found it, and they beat him, unmercifully beat him. One day, he found a sheet of paper, not a little cut-off piece. He found a sheet of paper, and it had nothing on the front, had nothing on the back. He goes, wow! He ran back to his cell. He took his little pencil. He wrote all the verses. He wrote all the biblical stories. I mean, literally wrote them down minutely. And he went out to that pillar. And he placed, he said, God, I'm so honored today. I give you a bigger sacrifice. And I, I just give you your word. And I love you so much. And the authority said, that's it. They got him. And they said, today is your day of execution. And as they marched him down the corridor to be executed... Fifteen hundred hardened criminals stood in their cells and raised their hands to Jesus and sang praise 
be to God. All 1,500 of them did. And the guards, when they did that, they they put their hands off of, of the pastor and they said, Who are you? Who are you? And this is what he said. I'm a child of the living God. And Jesus is his name. And so they took him. They didn't execute him. They took him back to the prison. And within days, they released him. And he went back to his wife and sons from whom he had been separated for 17 years. Can I just say this? That's the real deal. That is not trying to seduce some other woman. That is not trying to see what I can get away with and still have enough a modicum of religiosity so I don't feel so guilty. No, that is just a sold-out, committed follower of Christ. Wouldn't it be awesome if someone were to ask us this question? Who are you? Who are you? you? You're so different, but yet you're so kind. You love God. You love your wife, not his wife. You love your children, and you are, you're just amazing. Who are you? And you would say, I'm a child of the living God, and Jesus is his name. Well, let me close with this real quickly, and then, um, and then, then we're gone. Some of you are looking at me and said, but you said you were closing 20 minutes ago. I lied. So here we go. Um, application of the text. Lies, such a harsh word. I, I'm sorry. Okay. Application of the text. Number one, examine yourself spiritually. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, he said, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Listen, guys, if we are ever in a position of being persecuted in America... If that day happens, and it, it, it very well could happen, and still there's a part of me that believes that it, it will happen, that, man, the, the real, the genuine is going to come out. But I don't want you to wait until then. I want you to know. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? Examine yourself. Make sure that you know that you know that you are in the faith because Jesus could come any moment Uh, You could die any moment. Your life could radically change in any moment. And don't wait. Don't wait till your deathbed. Or don't wait till life just totally falls apart. Go ahead and examine yourself and say, God, if I'm not in you, I want to be in you now. And I want you, God, to help me because I cannot do this on my own. I'm like a pig, God. I'm like a dog. And I will go back to my sinful nature unless, God, you radically change my life. Change my life, oh God. Change my life, oh God. And I want to tell you something, friends. God just doesn't answer prayer. God answers desperate prayer. And when you're desperate enough to say, God, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, I promise you, Almighty God will come into your life and He will change you. Let's have a holy examination. Number two, study the Bible so false teachers do not mislead you. I got contacted just this week. And a lady said, I, I, I know you're not my pastor anymore, but uh, pastor, I want to ask you a question. Um, I'm, I'm trying to witness this guy in Texas, and he tells me that he believes in the Bible, but he believes that Jesus never existed. And 
and if I believe in Jesus, then I'm practicing idolatry, and I'm going to die and go to hell. What, what do you think about that? I wrote back, 1 John 4, 2 and 3 says, If anybody confesses that Jesus Christ has not come in the flesh, he is not of God, he is of the Antichrist. And she's like, oh, <laughs> oh, I don't know if I can tell him that or not, but I'm like, study the Bible, know the Bible. So that you are not deceived. The last thing I want to share with you is walk daily with Christ and prepare for days of tragedy that befall the just and the unjust. Today, today is a day of salvation. Wouldn't it be awesome today some of you, and I just have this impression in my spirit, I believe it's the Holy Spirit telling me this, that there are some phonies right here today. There are some fakes who say one thing and then they live a totally different life than Jesus lived and a life that the New Testament teaches. And some of you are looking at me like, how'd you know that was me? How'd you know that, that that's, that's me? But that is you. You've got a choice today. You can come clean and say, God, I'm, I'm really giving you my life this time. And I want you to change me. I want to be discipled. And I really want to walk with you. Or you can keep juggling it. And you can keep wearing yourself out. And you can keep rationalizing. And it's just a hard life. It, that is a hard life. You ever notice that people that just give it all to Jesus, they're just really happy. <laughs> they're just like, man, I don't have anything to hide. I don't have skeletons. Boogie, boogie, boogie. Ain't no skeletons in there. And if you find any, that's my old life. God has forgiven me, and I am free. Man, I would just love to see some of you ladies. I don't know why. Some of you ladies say, I'm, 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 I'm the deal today. I'm coming to Christ today. Now, men, you can too. That'd be awesome. And teenagers as well. You know, I really believe in my heart, though, that there are some of you that are genuinely saved and you've never been discipled, you've never been taught, you've never, been, you've never grown in the disciplines of the faith, and you're so confused, and you don't know if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, you sin, you're like, man, I don't want to do that, and you do that. And, and you know, this is the thing I love about Great Hills Baptist Church. If you, if you want to be serious, we will get serious with you, and we will disciple you, and we will teach you. The greatest hour of discipleship at Great Hills Baptist Church is 11 o'clock on Sundays. Because if you don't get any other Bible or any other discipleship, I promise you, you're going to get it on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock. The last thing I want to share with you and close. Woo. That thing is stinging right now. The last thing I'll share with you is this. Anybody want to join our church today? You say, you got to be out of your mind. Ain't nobody going to join this church. As soon as I get out of here, I'm never coming back. It's the craziest place I've ever been in my life. What are you talking about? No, 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 really, really. Is there anybody here today want to join Great Hills Baptist Church and say, man, I'm in. If that's the kind of preaching you're going to do and that's the kind of singing we're going to have, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Then I want you to come and join our church. What we'll do is we'll receive you, and then in a couple of weeks, in a few weeks, we'll take you through some teaching of what it means to be a member of Great Hills. We raise the bar on you, okay? 
You just don't come down, fill out a card, and dolly-dolly around. No, we, we, we really get serious with it, and we disciple you, and we help you. And so I, I just wanted to ask, is there, is there anybody here today who would say, man, I, I need this. I want to become a part of Great Hills Baptist Church. Then we invite you. We invite you to come. Okay? All right, let's pray, and we're, we're, we're out. Lord God in heaven, thank you. Thank you for the Dimitris of this world. Thank you, Lord, for the Nicks and the Ruths of this world. Slaves of Christ. Model believers' examples to us all. Thank you, Lord, for the boldness of an Apostle Peter who would call those out who are fake and phony and charlatans and frauds. And Lord, help us not to become like that. Help us, Lord, not to have this duplicitous fakeness about us, but help us be real. Jesus, would you help us be real in our faith? Lord, I pray today that person, and for some reason some lady that is here today, God, that needs to repent and be saved, walk away from her adulterous lifestyle and really genuinely embrace Jesus Christ and allow him to be her true husband. I ask you today, oh God, would you save her? And may we be able to disciple her and rejoice with her today. I pray for other believers, God, that Lord, they need to come and they just need to say, Lord in heaven, I'm ready to get serious with you. The life is too short for me to live this hypocritical life. Lord, would you send those kind of people to us? And then, Lord, those that are just, man, God, they just are ready. They just are like, I want to be a part of this church. I, I, want, to, I want to grow in my faith. I, I really want to be challenged and I want to... I want to be one of those that goes knocking on doors. And I want to be one of those that would be willing to lay down my life for Christ. God, would you send those people to us? We would love to have them. We would love to. You entrust them to us so we can teach them and encourage them. And they would be an encouragement to us. So, Lord, this is your church. We pray you'd take away from it. And we pray that you would add to it. We pray now, Lord, even during this invitation. Holy Spirit of the living God, fall upon this place. Mm -hmm. I love you. And Lord, I pray this in the strong name of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. I want you to stand with me if you would. And uh, we're going to sing a song. And uh, listen, during this time of singing, this is not... It's not time to get your purse and, and you know and say, well, I'm, let's get out of here. No, this is a time of this is a time of decision. Some of you ladies are like, why are you picking on ladies today? Purse and woman needs to be saved. I don't know why. I know I pick on guys all the time, but I wonder if there's a lady here today who'd say, man, I'm in. I'm ready to give my life to Christ and be all that God wants me to be. Would you come? God bless you as you come. Terry, go ahead and lead us, brother.